No my hooky my, which means welcome back to season five of the Amateur Austinite. This season we're going to do things a little differently, not terribly differently, but a little bit. I'm hoping to have a variety of guests to discuss the chapters with. This season we're going to be focusing on Lady Susan by Jane Austen, which is not very well known and often not even considered one of her novels. I'm going to attempt to not spoil it as we go along so you can read as we go. I'm also planning to read the chapters, which are actually letters, in each episode because they're quite short. I'll put timestamps in the notes so if you want to skip the introduction in the letter itself, you can go directly to the discussion. If you're interested in being one of the guests this season, please contact me. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, we can do it online. Welcome to episode one of season five of the Amateur Austenite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. With me today is Emma. Hello. Who is a member of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand and read Lady Susan with us on our group read. What's your knowledge level about Jane Austen? I am also an amateur Austenite, so I have been interested in Jane Austen's work since my youth and I have read I believe all of her work some of it many times I have read a fair amount of fan fiction and seen as many film and tv adaptations as I can lay my eyes on today we are going to be discussing letter one and Emma is going to read it for us this is a letter between Lady Susan Vernon to Mr Vernon written at Langford December my dear brother I can no longer refuse myself the pleasure of profiting by your kind invitation when we last parted, of spending some weeks with you at Churchill, and therefore, if quite convenient to you and Mrs Vernon to receive me at present, I shall hope within a few days to be introduced to a sister whom I have so long desired to be acquainted with. My kind friends here are most affectionately urgent with me to prolong my stay, but their hospitable and cheerful dispositions lead them too much into society for my present situation and state of mind, and I impatiently look forward to the hour when I shall be admitted into your delightful retirement. I long to be made known to your dear little children, in whose hearts I shall be very eager to secure an interest. I shall soon have need for all my fortitude, as I am on the point of separation from my own daughter. The long illness of her dear father prevented my paying her that attention which duty and affection equally dictated, and I have too much reason to fear that the governess to whose care I consigned her was unequal to the charge. I have therefore resolved on placing her at one of the best private schools in town, where I shall have an opportunity of leaving her myself on my way to you. I am determined, you see, not to be denied admittance at Churchill. It would indeed give me the most painful sensations to know that it were not in your power to receive me. Your most obliged and affectionate sister, S. Vernon. We're trying not to do spoilers, but I think you can pull out little things from this letter without any spoilers. Lady Susan is inviting herself to someone else's house here. She is. I'm determined not to be denied admittance. So she has been invited. Mr. and Mrs. Vernon have invited a kind invitation when they last parted to spend some weeks. We don't know how long ago the invitation was. I'm assuming she saw her brother-in-law at the funeral. She probably would have attended the funeral considering the time period, so he would have gone to the funeral. So this is the funeral of the long, ill father of her daughter. Mr Vernon, now deceased. So let's talk about who's related to who in this letter. 
So everyone has the same surname to make things really confusing, right? Lady Susan Vernon was married to Mr. Vernon, whose first name we do not know. His brother was Charles Vernon, who this letter is written to. She refers to him as her brother. She means brother-in-law. And we know this because her name is Lady Susan Vernon. And he is Mr. Vernon. Therefore, she needs to have been born Lady Susan. Because she hasn't married into it. Because he is not an aristocrat. Therefore, she must have been born an aristocrat. And they've both got the same surname. So she has to have married into his family. So he's got to be her brother-in-law. The sister she's mentioning has to be his wife. So this is her brother-in-law and his wife. And the father of the child she's talking about is a Mr. Vernon who is this Mr. Vernon, Mr. Charles Vernon as we find out later, this Mr. Vernon's brother. So she's talking to her dead husband's brother. Yes, exactly. You brought up her title. Now, one way you can tell the difference between titles, whether they're inherited or not, is if they use the first name. We have Lady Susan. We have Sir Thomas Bertram. We have Sir Walter Elliot. Those are inherited titles. Lady Bertram is Lady Bertram, not Lady Mariah Bertram, because she got her title through marriage. So Lady Susan got her title through birth, and she retains it. When she marries, she only changes her surname to Vernon. We never actually find out what her surname was before she married. To be a lady by birth, your father has to have been an earl or higher in the aristocracy. We know that her father wasn't a baron or a baronet. He was an earl or higher, so she was quite aristocratic Mm. at birth. We have further examples of that in Austin and Persuasion. Anne Elliot is Miss Anne Elliot, not Lady Anne. And if she did take up the role of the next lady of the house, she would be Lady Elliot, not Lady Anne. Which sounds very incestuous when you put it like that. She was thinking about marrying her cousin, not her father. (laughs) Mr. Darcy's family, um, the de Burgh family, you can tell the degree by their names as well. His cousin is. She's Miss Anne de Bourgh, so the mother is Lady Catherine. Ah, okay. So she's the daughter of the Earl, who is the uncle of Colonel Fitzwilliam. Gotcha. And remember that Darcy's mother was Lady Anne Darcy. So she is Lady Catherine de Bourgh's sister. Yeah, gotcha. It's very confusing when it's not something that we use these days, or in this country. Yes. This letter is really kind of fawning. Your kind invitation, the pleasure. I've so long desired to be acquainted with my sister-in-law. We find that they've been married for some years and she has never met her sister-in-law, which should make you think something's wrong. She's going to this woman's house and has never met her before. She refers to their home as a delightful retirement. Your dear little children... She's really putting it on. you kind of got to read between the lines to tease all this out. Yeah, there's a big mismatch between her expressed affection and what the letter actually tells you. It raises enough questions to want you to keep reading that that mismatch between all this affectionate terminology and why has she not met her sister-in-law before? Why has she not met these nieces and nephews before? If she's that affectionate of an aunt, Why hasn't she met them? 
And if she loves children that much, why is she voluntarily parting with her own daughter soon after the death of the daughter's father, you know, her husband? If it's a time where she wants to be in quiet retirement, she doesn't want the cheerful dispositions of her friends. Well, first of all, why did she go to the house of her friends where all this cheerfulness is going on? But also, why does she not want to be with her daughter if she's grieving? And that's not something we think about, actually, that Lady Susan and her daughter are in mourning during the period of this novel. So in theory, they'd be wearing black. It is a bit odd for her to have gone to Langford, which sounds a bit like a party house. She clearly does state that they are hospitable and they have cheerful dispositions, which I think reads as party house. And and she's clearly been invited there and has also had an invitation to Churchill and she's chosen to go to Langford. And I think it's also interesting that it's December, so it's the depths of winter. So she's been settled in one house, and now there's this sudden urgency. I think there's a real urgency in this letter. I mean, she mentions that she hopes to be at Churchill within a few days. She's sort of front-footing when she's saying she's determined she's not going to be denied admittance. She's really pushing this forward in a short time frame. So she's going to be travelling in the middle of winter quite urgently. So I think that sets up a question about why so urgent? Why is she needing to be so affectionate in this letter in order to move houses? Almost sounds like I'm dashing off a note as I leave the house. Mm. I'm on my way. See you soon. Yeah, to a house that she's not met the mistress of. Not met these children. There's a reason she's not been there before that we don't know yet. And the fact that there is children, not one plural, shows that the marriage has been there for a while and she still hasn't met any of them. Why? There are bits of truth. I'm determined. I'd say that's (laughs) very true. And presumably the fact that she's putting her daughter in one of the best private schools, that's probably true as well. The school that she's sending her to is probably one of the best ones. Status would be very important. Yes, it does indicate that it's important to her to be seen to be doing the best. Although she is kind of dumping her daughter to a certain extent. She's not dumping her just anywhere. (laughs) Yes. Do we know how long her husband has been dead for? It's not mentioned here, but it is later. When she goes to Langford, she was four months a widow, I believe, and then she spends three months at Langford. So at this point, it's been seven. So she's past the first part of past the first the, stage of mourning of the grief, which is interesting that she now decides she needs retirement seven months later when three months ago she needed a more cheerful situation although everybody grieves in their own way that is true we must allow lady susan her own journey through grief (laughs) even the way she signs it off your most obliged and affectionate sister really laying it on thick dressing the family relationship a letter from a brother to a sister asking for accommodation is quite hard to refuse particularly when she's got one foot out the door on her way. (laughs) From what's in this letter, what does it make you think about what kind of person Lady Susan is? I think it's hard to tell who she is because it's also hard because we're trying not to think about the rest of the book. She could literally just be a desperate widow looking for a home. I need to come to you. She does say, if quite convenient to you and your kind invitation, but I'm determined to not be denied admittance. Could be very much, I have no money and I need somewhere to live and you are my brother. Yes, which is reasonable and 
consistent with what you would expect from that relationship at the time. It was the role of men to look after their family members, whether they were in their immediate family or not. Mm. What sort of read do you get on Lady Susan from this? I think it's what's missing from the letter and that mismatch between how affectionate the language is and that mismatch with her actual actions, that that is in there, but that is also what makes you want to read on. If it were purely a a letter of affection, you wouldn't necessarily think, well, this is an interesting novel I want to dig deeper into. I think it's the I think it's the anomalies that make you think she's an interesting character. There might be more to her than meets the eye. Because at the surface, it's a nice letter saying, can I come and stay with you? But if you scratch the tiniest bit of the surface, it kind of falls apart and you wonder what's actually going on. And you wonder what the recipient thinks. Is the recipient taking this purely on its surface? We shall find out. Mm-hmm. And that is our discussion of Letter One of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I'm Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan and Instagram at Francis Duncan Does. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!